Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus. I am Dan Lundy, creator of the show and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of coaches, kickers, punters, and snappers. Today's show is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner. Actually, they're here. With all these sports going on, there's plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking of picking the LA Lakers to repeat an NBA championship or for someone to upset Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, you need to go to betonline.ag. From game spreads and point totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager now than anywhere else online. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your sportsbooks experts. Episode 16 of the show welcomes Austin Seibert. Seibert is a native of Belleville, Illinois, near St. Louis. I had to Google that. He attended Belleville West High School, where his ability to both kick and punt caught the attention of the Oklahoma Sooners, where he later committed and eventually began breaking records. Some of Seibert's highlights at OU are the following. 499 career points. That is the most in the history of the FBS. He was 2018's Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Year. He was named first team All-Big 12 kicker the same year. And I think one of the neatest facts I found out about you was your career punting average at OU, which was a 41.7-yard average, and that was the fifth best ever in the history of the school. In 2019, after this stellar career at OU, the Cleveland Browns selected Cybert in the fifth round of the draft. In the same year, he was named to the Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team. In 2020, he was acquired by the Cincinnati Bengals and named the starting kicker to finish the season. Wow, this is quite a journey, Austin. How are you doing today? Oh, doing well. Can't complain. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, uh, I know you're in transition, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I, I really want to thank you before we get into this. And I want to mention to the audience that our initiation, you know, I've known of you for years. I uh, used to train a guy named Kyle Doherty, played at Southern Illinois University, which is pretty near. I think Carbondale is fairly close to where you grew up, and that's how the connection was made. But Kyle Doherty used to speak at length about you as a high school kid. He said, this kid has it. This kid, I think, may in fact be better than me at certain things already. He's a lot younger. He's driven. He, he's going to these camps, you know, these expo camps. And he is clearly establishing himself as one of the best combo specialists in the nation. So I wanted to start with that. You know, um, we met a few weeks ago on Zoom. You wanted to talk about some film review, you know, practice film. And can you take a look, see if you see any of my tendencies that I think I have? And I just, uh, you know, I wanted to explain to the audience that, you know, I really look up to you and your attention to detail. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But could you explain your position 
uh, or more importantly, your decision and what age you decided that, you know what, I'm not going to identify myself, although I'm probably going to be a better kicker. Clearly, you're an NFL kicker, but you had an inclination young that you could do both at a high level. Could you explain how you made that decision to take on the challenge of two positions instead of focusing just on kicking? Yeah, no, um, I always kicked and punted uh, growing up um, since I was seven and peewee and all that. I uh, kicked and punted and uh, just kind of grew from there. Um, then when I got to high school, uh, you know, it, it always n- not one of the two ever kind of outweighed each other. It was always kind of progressing at the same rate. Um, so, I mean, on the punting side of things in high school, I guess I was more technical about it because there's obviously a lot more drills to do for punters. And then as I grew as a kicker through college into now, you pick up different little drills and technique things you can do to just always kind of do busy work and make sure you're keeping yourself um, on tracks and, and everything like that. But um, I would say the main reason I wanted to do all three, it was a big goal of mine going into college. It's because I wanted to get on the field as much as possible because nothing's ever guaranteed. So I took advantage of everything I could as much as possible. And it worked out for me. I played a lot in college, had a lot of plays. And um, yeah, when I wanted to, when the draft came along and uh, I had the option to kick and punt at the combine, I decided just to kick more so just because I felt like I'm more of a kicker anyways. But at the same time, a lot of people in my past kind of doubted me as a kicker um, so it kind of just fueled that a little bit more and that's, yeah. So no, I think that's an excellent answer. Um, and it's interesting. A lot of people don't know this, but yeah, the combine is, I think it's 350 athletes a year. Is that correct? Yeah. Something like that. It's yeah. It's, it's not very many. Um, and it's an honor for a specialist to be named to that. I think on average, the last like five to 10 years, there's anywhere from nine to 12 that are, that are brought in and, it, it, it never seems to be the same. Sometimes it's seven punters, sometimes it's seven kickers, and it's a smaller number on the other side. But that's an honor in itself. And I think that was a, a great decision you made because your sample size in college to show that you can do it in a game, I think, stood for itself. And, and I think it's smart. And you obviously made the right move because you are, in fact, a at the Sunday level, you're a kicker first and, and, and you're a, a reservable backup, I like to call that. You know, something someone that can that can step in and do the job for us without without giving us a, much of a vulnerability. And I think that's, it's very rare. We're going to talk about that in a sec too, but I noticed in 2019, I was looking at your stats last night because I like to get to know someone inside and out before I meet with them. And um, I saw on the stat line, you had one punt for 37. And before I looked into why I, I was accurate, it was a fake field goal. And, and that's a, that's a heck of a play. Was that a direct snap? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was our game plan. Uh, it was like a 57 yard field goal. Um, we got it right on like the half yard line. It was pretty good play. See, I mean, that's such a, and that's a play that now, you know, on the Sunday level when they play in Austin cyber, I, I imagine, especially if it's within the last year or two, you doing something like that impactful, they have to respect that. I would imagine the edge pressure against you a few weeks after that fake punt play, you started getting a little more time or you just, it's just, you're a weapon is what I'm trying to say. And I'm trying to get these young kids who is a large demographic of the show to realize that you have to be versatile. You know, if you walk into a coach's office and say, I can do one thing. Well, well, what about these two things that specialists also can do sometimes like Austin cyber. And they say, no, 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 I, I, I'm strictly a kicker. I think you're limiting yourself. 
you know, and, uh, especially when you have time to do other things right now as, as like a high school kid. Right. I wanted to touch on also that you can't kick all day. You know, we talk about the show all the time that kicking is an unnatural, aggressive movement. It's like pitching in baseball. Punting, on the other hand, is conversely a more natural. It's a linear movement. It's like underhand pitching in softball. You know, we, we, we can underhand every day. We can pitch probably once every five days. I think you realize this probably pretty young. Can you tell the audience that, you know, uh, perhaps especially in college, um, what was your practice plan as a combo specialist? Did you did you split each day in half and have a little emphasis on kicking and punting each day? Or did you have like a Monday as a punting predominant day? I think that's very important for these combo specialists, both in high school and college to hear from someone like you. How did you manage your time? Right. Yeah. So I guess to start with uh, my punting really progressed um, when I broke my leg as a freshman in high school. Uh, I couldn't really do a whole lot of kicking stuff because I was in a straight leg cast. And when I was able to start walking, I would do uh, punt drops in my driveway just to get some activity. I mean, it was very slow, but I was doing something. And that's where the the fundamentals started to come into play for me. Um, Because if you can't punt or kick, you can do something. And I always did just the fundamental stuff. But yeah, for for a, I guess, a a weekly uh, punting and kicking resume, um, there's, so when I was in college, Mondays would be um, a heavy punt day and a light field goal day. Tuesdays is an off day. Wednesday, I would do all three we would try and tackle kickoffs and punts at the middle of practice and then field goals at the end with like a, a team drive. There'd be a team drive, two minute drive, hit a field goal. And then we'd go straight into 10 kicks. Thursday would be like an onside kick type of day, specialty kicks. And then uh, Friday, Friday rest, Saturday game day. Um, but I think then one of the most important things is like at OU, they really uh, watched my uh, reps so I didn't get hurt, things like that. A lot of coaches will uh, will ask their kickers to just do more than their legs capable of. And if that kicker tries to tell them something, a lot of coaches can come off as uh, kind of, I guess, arrogant, you know, because uh, at the end of the day, these are young kids trying to tell you something and you should take in consideration what they're telling them. But I think really having a kick count and then, having a plan of action when you're going out to practice and games. Like for me in college, I'd hit uh, five, no steps, five, one steps, five full steps. And then I was ready to go kickoffs. I'd hit two to three kickoffs ready to go punts. I would just, I would literally just go through the jugs machine, catch about a hundred balls for every practice, do my steps, footwork, hit 10 punts, ready to go. So that's, that's kind of my, my deal with it. And then same on game days. Um, you, you want to hit same thing. I'd do five, no steps, five, one steps, five full steps. Then I'd get with my holder and I'd hit probably eight to 10 each way. And then you're ready from there. But yeah, that, that would be a regular week for me. And then on top of that, um, I'm a big stickler on busy work. I don't like just standing around. Uh, so I would do, I'd tape off my steps and just do my steps, uh, right hash, middle, left hash. And uh, yeah, kind of just roll with it that way just to make sure I was doing something. No, I, I like what you said. I think the most important thing you just said was a plan of action. And and that's a very personal thing. I, I don't think that anyone listening to the show today uh, is going to say, oh, that's exactly how I do it. And that's not saying that they're doing it incorrectly. It's just saying that I think it is important to establish a count. And I think that the older you get 
and I mean older in a sense that you're 24, I, I think, roughly. Um, when you were 18, your recovery was it was not. I mean, it you could kick off every day, probably at 16, 17. And I think that's the misconception is these kids don't realize that this is in fact an aggressive, unnatural motion. Field goal is is definitely unnatural and aggressive, but kickoffs are exceptionally unnatural it, to the point to, to the point where you're risking an adductor and a groin yeah. each and every time we go. And it's just that one extra when your body wants to shut it down and we can feel our leg getting a little heavier that there, there are tells to this, but I think young kids almost feel uh, invincible. And I, and I think that for long-term a guy that wants to play as long as you have, it's important to be mindful of these things at 16 and 17. And I think you were, um, even if it was subconscious, you knew that there was there was a long life here and, and this is the beginning of the story. So I think it's important for these guys to hear that it's not the volume. It's it's the um, when you do step up to the plate or you step up to the kick, make sure that that kick counts. And I think a lot of kids have the mindset that ah, I can be average here because I got 20 more at least in me today. And that's scary because that's inviting for a lot of a lot a lot of long-term problems with technique and stuff. So, yeah, you should never uh, kick until you start missing kick until you feel good, then stop. Amen. It's hard to put it down. Isn't it though? When you just hit, hit a gem, probably hit the best ball of your day. But I think guys that get a little more mature like to end on those reps. Yeah. The guys in high school, the guys in high school want to see if I can hit five in a row of those. And that's where danger occurs. So no, I, re I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, something we talked about in our, one of our zoom meetings recently was sideline behavior. You know, um, I'm going to give you a hypothetical offense is driving, probably approaching midfield. They're on the minus side of the field, so they're not quite in need of you yet or even considering you yet. But what are you doing during an offensive and perhaps even a defensive drive? Like that's probably where the most rest is occurring. Or if you do sit down, I was never a sit on the bench type of guy. I, I paced a lot and that's OK. I'm OK with that. I, I just want to know, you know, how many times you're using the net for a practice rep. Um, and also when you do get called on and you enter the field for a field goal, where do you enter from when you get over the spot and you acknowledge your holder? Uh, like what is your process during that field goal? Yeah, no. So uh, this is something that I've kind of adapted to, I guess it's changed a bunch, but this year I found something I liked. So when offense gets the ball on the minus 50, I'll be at my net, just doing my steps, doing some dry runs, making sure I'm loose as soon as we cross the 50, I'll hit one or two into my net. Then each first down, I'll hit one or two, however many I feel like I need. And then uh, when I enter the field, I enter from probably roughly 30, 35-yard line and then kind of just jog down the field, kind of pick my spot, just get settled in, get the breath under control, and then just roll that way. Yeah, I, I really like that. It sounds very simple, but, you know, oh, he kicks a few when they cross 50. He kicks uh, each time they get a first down. But what that's doing to our younger audience is it's, it's your engagement. I've noticed that even good kickers, they are not always football players, right? I mean, I played soccer. I, I had no knowledge, pre-existing knowledge of football really until ninth, 10th grade. I started learning the game because I was immersed in it. But I still, even when I left and went to Miami, I – I had so much to learn as far as the questions that I'm asking you is like, I didn't have a system. It kind of was at a whim. Um, thankfully I, I was never a type to not be engaged. I was watching the game. I knew what was going on. And, but again, I, I didn't have a system. I just felt sometimes like, Oh, let's go hit one in the net. Um, so I, I think it's important. You know, I, I coach that a lot now and, and right now I don't really have a, 
I think this is the best way to do it right now. I'm collecting data. You know, I asked you one of the first times I met you, I, I wanted to know your process, not necessarily how you kick a ball, but what are you doing mentally leading up to that, that rep that counts? You only get a, what, 30 a year on average in the NFL. You've got to make that count. And I think what leads up to that, the, the several minutes that lead up to that, if you will, are probably just as important as what you do naturally, subconsciously is kick a football. So I like that you're embracing the thought of, of the buildup. On September 14th, 2020, you were waived by the Browns. And then crazily, a day later, I'm not even sure if it was a full day, you know this, but you were signed by the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, pretty popular in Ohio, I see. Yeah. So in day, yeah, in, in one day, you had to shift the focus, right? You had to begin competing all over again for a brand new team right in the middle of a season. I know a lot of guys didn't get much off-season activity this year anyway, but you had to adjust to a new snap and a hold. And, and I don't know how many days you got prior to your first time playing on national television with this bunch, but the people that are listening that have never been a part of an operation, that oftentimes takes time. You know, that takes weeks if you're lucky, you know, months, you know, if you, if you, if you have that OTA schedule going like this, this takes time. Can you explain the turbulent and competitive NFL climate, especially with specialists and what your mindset is in the midst of all this? Cause you went through a heck of a transition right in the middle of this year. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. When I got to Cincinnati, um, I mean, it did take some time to get used to the snap and the new, the new cadence and everything. But at the same time, like my job is to make sure I'm ready. And uh, I feel like we, we got adjusted pretty quickly, but it also helps when you got two veterans there who are very good at what they do and you can trust them immediately. Um, so it, I wouldn't say it was too hard, but for a college athlete or something like that, going into a new uh, system with new guys, it can be, it can take a little while, but that's why like just watching in practice, like just watching, like if Randy were kicking or if I were kicking, just watching the, the cadence for the snap and when he's getting the ball and just really focusing on those aspects. Um, Cause at the end of the day, you're always leaving on when either they flash their hand or tap the fingers anyways. So that's kind of your focal point and you can be smooth with that. With, with Randy Bullock out, you in, uh, he had an injury. Um, was there some dialogue? I imagine there was with the holder. Uh, did you guys like the same exact ball lean forward and back, uh, you know, towards the holder? Uh, I, I, I find that some guys like it a little bit of a lean forward. Some guys like it 90 off the floor. Some guys especially like a lean to the holder. Um, was there a was there a subtle change made there when the hold with the holders technique based off your preference and and Bullock's preference? Uh, I mean, I'm not too picky when it comes to how the ball is held, as long as the laces are forward and and uh, I mean it's a straight ball. I, it, it's I don't think that makes too much of a difference as as long as there's not a lot of wind. But if there's a heavy wind, then I can have him add some tilt to it or keep it straighter or tilt it whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'd, I've never been too big of a stickler on how the ball is getting held. As long as the laces are forward and he's hitting the spot, it's my job to put it through. So, See, I, I love that answer. You know, some guys are, are very, very particular with that. But I think that the ball's sitting up and it's got, you know, it's it's not terribly leaned back towards you. Um, you got a nice surface area. You could see the ball. You know where the ball's kicked. I 
I like a ball that sits perfectly up and down. I don't really, I don't really coach up the lean as much, but I think it's very important to see the ball's face because you then know where to hit bottom third. Uh, it's a little misleading when there's a tilt back. And I, I know a lot of people are probably like, what are these guys talking about right now? But you know, it's, it's, I, I guess I liken it to a, a lie in golf. You know, you want a good lie. We, we all, we all approach a ball in the, in the fairway on a good lie with a lot more confidence than we do if it's plugged, you know, if it's, uh, you know, it's sitting right to left and it's about to roll down a hill, um, it's no different. And I, and I think that brings about confidence. So, and you're very fortunate. You mentioned on the Zoom meeting that you love your operation. You have a, a veteran in your punter. Um, and, and that's, I think that probably made your transition all the more easy. Also wanted to share the audience. I, you know, I taught in the classroom for 12 years, Austin. I, I taught high school. So it was really hard to keep 15, 16, 17 year olds engaged at times, especially with the subject matter that I was teaching. Uh, I bring a lot of what I learn from teaching into my coaching. You know, I've coached for 19 years, but I think teaching has made more of an impact in a few than 19 years of just experience networking. Uh, I think that football is no different than the school, especially with kicking. I think it's all about the retention of information. I think it's being able to reflect days later on what a coach might have said to you. Uh, I think that's vital to, to an athlete's success. And I think you do that well. Uh, I wanted to tell the audience something that, that really stood out to me with you as a student. Uh, I gave, I give virtual lessons, I should say. I give them daily. I give them to kids all over the country. I even have a kid in Asia I'm working with right now. And these kids are at all levels. You are the only person who has texted me after one of these lessons. And it wasn't just the thank you. You text me with the main ideas, like the four, I think it was, the main ideas that you felt were most relevant to your short-term problem. I think that this seems small and trivial, but it, it most definitely isn't, especially when you're the only one I can remember. You, you've learned somewhere to take ownership of your improvement. And I commend you for being such a wonderful example to specialists who have the same aspirations of playing on Sunday or big-time football on FBS level. What Where'd you learn that? I'm just curious. Was this, were you a good student and, and, and you just brought your good study habits into football or is this just because it's such a priority that I think writing things down, we really take ownership. And I, I just, it made my day when you sent me that text because it showed me that everything we had talked about for that 30 or 45 minutes on zoom, that you, you were going to go apply that. And it made me feel good as a coach. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I wasn't a bad student in the classroom definitely did what I needed to to make sure I got decent grades and uh, and graduated and whatnot. But just from a young age, um, I always wanted to kind of be the best and uh, prove people wrong and just prove my family right for believing in me. And when I was in high school, like financially, my parents told me and were straight up with me and said, hey, we're not going to be able to send you to one of these big schools. We can pay for the local community college. But if you want to go to one of these big schools, it's going to be on you. You're going to have to get a scholarship or you're going to have to pay for it yourself. And I took that to heart because they were already providing so much for me, sending me to these camps and you could really see what they were going through. And it, it kind of just dawned on me that anytime I could get work with someone, compete against someone, I was there doing it. And I took every critique I could like to heart, wrote it down, things like that, just, and then constantly worked on it. Cause when you're doing all three, there's so much you can work on at all times. And that's kind of, that's kind of why uh, when it comes to kicking, I take it so serious and just almost too serious sometimes to where I need to chill out a little bit, but 
because uh, I just want to be the best possible. And I've always been, I was raised on work ethic. So work as hard as you can and good things come. And sometimes when you work too much, it, it can lead to bad things. So toning it back a little bit, but now just, just working hard and taking advantage of every opportunity that, that comes in front of you. That is one of the best answers I've heard on this show. Um, it's, it's simple. Again, I, I, I think that simple is relatable, right? And I think that people need to realize that, especially now in the kicking industry, uh, kicking, punting, and snapping, there are a plethora of companies that will rank you. They will star you. Hopefully, they give you a little bit of an eval. I think it's a paragraph these days. But I think it's a wonderful message you're sending is, um, and I like to think it continues, that the kids that do, in fact, get these scholarships, it, I, I really hope it doesn't end up being the kids with the most resources, the kids that can have mommy and daddy fly them to every regional showcase and uh, national combine this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I see a little bit of the political play there because yes, they're businesses and yes, they need to have numbers at these events, but it's comforting to hear that there's guys like you that probably couldn't make every event, but the, the events you did, you embrace the opportunity, you'll want it. Um, and, and, and you left no doubt um, to these people that may in fact feel inclined to give a guy that comes to every event a bigger nod when it comes to recruiting. So I think that work simply put will shut everything up. Uh, that's not as important. I think that these coaches want a guy like you um, at, at all levels they want to know this kid takes pride in what it is, what he does, because that's going to be a reflection on how he helps our team. This is a team game. Um, you sound very selfless. You sound like you have selfish goals and we need to be selfish you know, because we got to take care of them. We got to take care of our family, but you don't get where you are without having a little selfless behavior in you too. So I want to thank you. If you want to get a hold of Austin, he's, he's pretty easy to find online to follow him. Just give him a Google. I mean, he plays for the Bengals. He's done great things with Oklahoma. Uh, he's a St. Louis native. Uh, I want to thank you, Austin. I know you're in the middle of a big move. Uh, I bugged him this week and he's like, I don't know if I could do it, but I guess 9 a.m. on Friday when we're waiting for some more stuff to come in and it means a lot to everyone at Fourth Down Focus. You were able to sit down and share a little bit about your story and, and, and what you're going through right now. If you have questions for me related to Fourth Down Focus or suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you have comments or feedback for the show, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, in several ways. My website is 4thdownu, that's 4thdownu.com. You can also find me on social media, connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at 4thdownu, that's at 4thdownu. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find me at simply Dan space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thank you again for joining us at 4th Down Focus. We're going to see you next week with an exciting new guest, Aiden Swanson, who is the punter for Clemson University. And Austin, he's actually a combo guy. I've got him kicking field goals and kicking off now at a high level. So I'm hoping we get another Austin cyber on our hands out of Clemson in a few years. Remember, in all things, give thanks. I hope you guys had a happy holiday. I hope you guys are finding that 2021 is a, a little bit better than 2020. Have a great day, and I'll see you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.